0: <laughs> yes, yes, folks. Get it Ooh, got, got the double, the double echo, echo there. there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, folks. It's Thursday, 4 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Mountain, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be. so i'm with my co-host ray pillar uh rebecca monet was supposed to be here but she's stuck in traffic how you doing ray i'm doing great how you doing fred a lot less stressed than normal my friend other than that short well, little double double yeah amazing <laughs> isn't it so who's our guest today
1: our guest is Nat Truitt. Did I did I nail it, Nat? You're in the ballpark. Yeah, Truitt. All right. Excellent. Welcome to the show, Nat. Thanks for having okay, me, guys. Nat.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so since there's just the three of us, the first question always is, where are you? And what's the weather like? Oh, yeah, I'm in the
3: uh, western suburbs of Chicago out in Glen Ellen, and today it's uh, right around 34 degrees. Uh, overcast snow is still on the ground, and um, looks like we're going to continue to have a fairly mild winter. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: summer, does that mean we are gonna have a hot summer?
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's been a really we had that snow in October on Halloween, so the kids <laughs> like actually half of them did not go trick or treating. And then <laughs> Christmas Day it was I think pretty warm. Yeah. So it was crazy. everything's upside down it feels like. That's what I love about the weather in this area. It's yeah. unpredictable. It was actually <laughs> Do you remember warmer. this time last year? It was I think was it minus twenty or minus thirty <laughs> degrees? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to age myself. I was caught in a 66 snowstorm. It
1: was 67, 67 Seven snowstorm. 1967. Yeah. It was 36 inches in 24 hours, I think, or
3: something oh, like that. Gosh. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the, was it 1979? Was that other bad one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't in the Chicago area at that time, but yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah. Well, we'll cross uh, our fingers, but we'll probably get the snow in April.
0: I remember both of them. So, yeah, take that. And I was in Chicago this Christmas, and it was actually warmer in Chicago than it was in San Luis Obispo. And that <laughs> made me really happy. I got to pick on everyone who said, you're going to Chicago. It's going to be cold there. And I went, ha, ha, ha. So, we've done Pillars of Weather now, Ray. Give us our yes. first question. Well...
1: Uh Nat is the, uh, uh, let's see, he says he's helping executives have more control over their lives and starting businesses.
3: So Nat, what does that mean? The, um, so I guess to go kind of back and give you a little bit of my background, I was, I originally got involved with franchise and I kind of stumbled across it. I was actually looking for a caregiver for my wife's grandmother um, back in 2000 and 2001. And I was kind of clicking on the internet on different websites. And there was a website there and it had caregivers. And I'm like, oh, this is great. And I saw a little button at the top that said franchising. So I clicked on that. And I, that's kind of how I learned started learning about franchising. I was 29 years old, ended up buying my first franchise And I realized, wow, this is really cool. You know, I don't have any experience, which was kind of counterintuitive, but I like helping people and a franchise, as I came to understand, basically helps me kind of like a business in a box where, you know, you go to corporate for training and all that. So I started that in 2001, sold that in 2009. And then um, a group of guys, we started doing franchise coaching or consulting. And so what we did was kind of what was my journey too was helping um, successful, you know, executives learn about franchising as an alternate career path. And a lot of times, I think I like that saying that past performance is a good indicator of future performance. So a lot of times, if someone's been successful at corporate, but they kind of reach a point in their life where, um, you know, usually they're motivated by pain or pleasure, and they're looking for to have a little bit more control in their life and want to do entrepreneurship, but they just don't know what that means or what that looks like. I think franchising a lot of times can be kind of a good bridge to entrepreneurship, if that makes sense. So that, did that answer your question? That was kind of a long, long answer, but no,
1: no, I mean, yes, it does answer the question.
3: Uh, <laughs> no, um, it doesn't, but maybe
1: it does. Really <laughs> it uh, gives us some uh, historical background on how you got started. Um, so, Exactly. What do you do now that helps executives? Uh, I'm assuming you mean uh, people who are uh, executives in some large corporation are getting a little tired of that. Of that, they want to become their own boss. So, yeah. How, how do you help them make that transition? Because it's 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 not easy. it's not an easy transition. I mean, because as an executive, you pretty much have the company. Uh, surrounding you to, to help you out with things you, uh, that, that you need. But all of a sudden, if you find
3: yourself on your own, how does that, how, how do you help them make that transition? You know, um, do you, did you ever work with like an executive recruiter or headhunter when you're at corporate? Uh, did I,
1: you know, I don't think I ever did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think I did hire one one time. <laughs>
3: you know, so it's it kind good. of i like to use that as kind of a example because a lot of the guys I work with have worked with executive recruiters or headhunters in the past. So that's really very similar to how I function. Um, you know, basically we always have kind of a quick phone call to see if there's a good potential fit to work together. Um, and then we just through a series, you know, franchise is very process driven. Mm-hmm. So we're also very process driven kind of, um, Learning about somebody, what they would be looking for in a business. Um, so, what might be a good fit, um, and then also financials is actually a really big component because we always want to make sure that you can properly capitalize the business. And then, you know, once we gather all this information, what I do is I go and I do a custom um, search. So, I'll, I'll do a custom search and research franchises, you know, that are within your budget that are in your geography and are good fits based on kind of what you have on, what information you've given me. And then typically what I do is try to find three or four franchises that seem like they would make sense for you to investigate.
0: So you're not a headhunter, you're a franchise hunter.
3: Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That that makes sense. I understand it now. So um, what what processes do you use to
3: evaluate your your clients? the um the corporate executives that we're working with yeah um you know a lot of times it seems like there a lot of it is pain or pleasure you know people are motivated by pain or pleasure mm-hmm. so i always feel like it's pretty important to have that conversation and sometimes it's peeling back layers of an onion a little bit to kind of get to the real reason why somebody's motivated at this stage of their life to do something different. Um, but for sure, if we can't find any motivi- motivation, then I don't usually see people making this dramatic life change. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having a conversation, just asking, you know, what's going on? Tell me a little bit about, you know, your work experience and what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. Some guys really hate corporate. Um, they're just tired of being on a plane, you know, you know traveling 80 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people, you know, they're concerned about, you know, not having control, like they might be downsized or fired. Um, So there's that, you know, those pain points are obvious, but there's a lot of guys that are actually really motivated by what I call pleasure, where maybe they grew up in an entrepreneurial family, or they just always wanted to own their own business. And so that's kind of what they're, they're chasing after or they're pursuing. You know, they want to have more control, always wanted to own their own business. Um, they're just not totally sure how to do that with franchising. You know, there's over 4,000 franchises, so it can be pretty overwhelming just to even know where to start. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so, uh, so my question is, you're you're kind of touching that. What are what would you say is the number one reason people want to buy a franchise? I mean, I get that's something we've asked a lot of franchise franchisees. So yeah, I'm curious.
3: <laughs> There's that old saying, you know, why did somebody buy a drill, right? And mm-hmm. the um, punchline is because they want the hole. So I think a lot of times people are not buying a franchise because they want to necessarily have caregivers to help seniors or they want to have a residential maid service. They're buying it because they want what that business can give or, or um, the result of that, which is really being able to kind of call their own shots. Um, so I always joke too, that entrepreneurs only work half days and then that the punchline is, uh, 12 hours a day, but you know, you have more control. You kind of choose when you want to work. You, yes, you're going to work hard, maybe 12 hours a day, but you get to have more control, create your own income stream. A lot of times I hear guys, you know, they want to create a legacy for their family. Those things are important for them. So, um, it's just, I think that's why they buy a franchise. The other thing is, it kind of compresses the time that you can get started. So with a franchise, there's a playbook, right? So you're able to kind of go through this search process that might take 60 or 90 days. And then, like, if you end up, hey, I want to buy a senior care franchise, you actually could be open probably in 60 days. Or if you're like, I want to open up a uh, Jimmy Johnson or Sport Clips, you know, that might take 9 to 12 months just based on construction. Um, but it kind of gives them a predictable path to uh,
0: business ownership. Does that make sense, Fred? Yeah. I, I kind of – most of those uh, reasons I kind of lump under the phrase that um, Kristen first used, which was she was looking for – she's a colleague of Ray's, but um, she was looking for work-life balance. Yes, exactly. My case
1: it was simple. I was laid off. <laughs> and, uh, I come from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, my grandfather had a grocery store in the South Side of Chicago. My dad had uh, bars and restaurants. And I kind of said, "Nah, that's not for me. That's not my thing. I want to do." And for the most part of my career, I I worked for somebody else and. And finally, at, uh, I was in my mid-fifties and got laid off, and found it difficult to find a job. And if I did, it didn't last long. So I decided to invest everything I had into a business.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, I think you mentioned that at one point you went to Discovery Day at uh, Molly Maine. Yeah. What What was your
3: impression at that at
1: that point?
3: Uh, it was It was the most one of the most amazing things in my life because I was, you know um, I think it was in 1995. So I was like 23, 24, newly married. Um, I don't know if I was looking in a magazine, you know, all this was kind of before computers, but I found out about Molly made and, and all this. And I'm like, this is genius. You know, you've got um, cars that are wrapped up and you've got the, maids that have the unif- there you go. <laughs> and so I just, i I remember talking to them and then they invited us to come out to discovery day and they were going to pay for our hotel. And I just remember being just completely blown away. And I remember driving out to, it's in Ann Arbor, right? Yes. Yeah. remember driving to Ann Arbor and uh, they put us up in a hotel and discovery day. And I think probably for me, I probably actually could have pulled it off at that point. I think just, it was, um, fear and anxiety of kind of being literally you know, 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so amazing because they, I'm sure they, when you went through too, they all lined up and you kind of walked in and um, you just you really get a sense for how organized a franchise mm-hmm. is and how very intentional and kind of um, crafted the experience is. And I know, you know, that's how Molly made, even to this day with your guys' customers, you know, you try to make it all predictable and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that um, it's just really, really uh, organized.
1: In my case, I had gone through several Discovery Days with different companies, and I was looking more from a technical perspective because that's yeah. my background. And uh, when when I was suggested, I, I'd look at a home cleaning franchise. I said, well, I'm really not interested in cleaning toilets, but all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the thing that did impress me was the uh, uh, Discovery Day, everybody lining up, and, uh, well, I, I have to... Backstep just a little bit. My first day there was the day that the lights went out on the East Coast. (laughs) Okay, so uh, my wife and I spent the evening in the hotel with no lights. Everything was by candle. And the following morning, the lights still were not on. And so there was one person in the office and he said, well, I'll go over some numbers with you if you'd like. Otherwise, we'll just have to invite you back because everybody's gone. Nobody can work with no electricity. So uh, we were invited back and that's when I was really impressed when everybody lined up basically and uh, greeted us as we came into the door. Uh, it, it was a fantastic experience and uh, I, I'm really glad I decided to go with, with that particular franchise because uh, it's been for me a success.
0: Yeah. That like, was the day uh, Ray said there's toilet there's money in cleaning toilets. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> There's brown in them. Oh, never mind.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So, like for Molly Maid, that's a good example. Like residential cleaning, kind of when you um, unpack that, what usually people like about it is that it's nine to five. You know, for the most part, business hours, right? Right. Um, recurring revenue, which is you know, it's great. So you're not starting from zero every every day or every week or every month. Mm-hmm. Um, scalable. You know, you can. On, you know, add another card and a couple more employees, and you can right. take on a bunch more jobs. And, um, so yeah, that's that's I that makes sense to me that that you've been uh very successful with Molly Maine. I, I
1: think the, the interesting story is I'm a very technical person, you know, yeah, I, I, I can. Pretty much, especially now with the internet, I can fix just about anything I want. <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> you need brain surgery? Just give me a few minutes on the internet, and I'll be able to right. do it. So for me to go into this business, it, you would think that uh, you know it doesn't—it's not a match. But as it turns out, you know I like working on my own cars. I still do, and so I have a fleet that I work on. Vacuum cleaners—I still work on those because the computers. I am my own IT guy so I do all the jobs <laughs> that I, that I like and my employees do the rest
3: <laughs> exactly so yeah, that's that's kind of like what I see guys do and I did with my senior care too at the beginning you're wearing a lot of hats mm-hmm. and then you know after probably after about 3 years or so you kind of choose which hats you want exactly. to wear and then kind of you have built a team how important did you feel like Team building was for you, like to, in your success. It is essential. Yeah, it's essential. Well, we have something a little bit
1: more than a team. We have a family. Yeah. And um, and I I am so proud of my employees. I think they are the best in the world. Um, you know, like I've had, my oldest employee with me now. I've been in business sixteen years. I think it's a little over twelve years. Wow. So. Uh, and that's kind of unheard of in, in the industry, let alone in, in any environment, especially uh, today. Uh, you know, people every six months, they're changing jobs. Right. So, yeah. And, and, and it's because we have the family atmosphere and we're very cognizant of most of our employees. Or all of our employees are, are ladies who have families. Uh, and they got to take care of their kids and their husbands. And, and that means that, you know, they need time off occasionally or they need their schedule, you know, uh, a half day here, you know, whatever they need to take vacation or whatever. We're very cognizant of that and very lenient with, uh, you know, making sure that they have enough time to take care of their family.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I always, you know, with my senior care background, I'm always, you know, we're in a people business and that has, you know, the relationships have to be priority. Hey, quick question for you, actually, because I've been getting asked a lot about this on my own podcast. What are, do you mind maybe sharing a little bit about, like, how the uh, maid service did in, like, 2008 and 9, kind of in those, quote-unquote, recession years? Uh, I'd love to share that with you because I was surprised, actually.
1: Um, a lot of businesses, as you know, went out. Right. Uh, they don't. They didn't. weren't able to make it through that time. Uh, the advice I was given is, if you can, hold your advertising. Um, and I did pretty much. I held up, uh, was able to keep advertising. Uh, our business dropped about 10%. Okay. And it didn't go be, uh, below that.
3: I was really surprised. And when we recovered is when we started to really boom. When you said hold your advertising, you meant to keep on doing it. Right. That holds steady. That's, you know, that's interesting because I think that that's kind of counterintuitive and it does take a little bit of backbone to do that because yeah, Everybody else is stopping, but that's actually an opportunity to kind of double down sometimes, or at least keep on going. So, some of the comments
1: we got from uh, a few of our clients were, you know, I-, I can't quit you now because I'm busier now trying to find a job than
2: <laughs> before yeah. when I had a
1: job. You know, yeah. so that you know that, uh, that that made an impression on me. Um, I think you know the type of business that uh, that this is is uh, it's not necessarily recession proof, but you know, maybe a little bit more than uh, some other types of businesses.
3: No, I, I know a lot of people think of um, residential cleaning as kind of a luxury, but I, I have a little saying I like, and it's um, a luxury once enjoyed becomes a necessity. (laughs) And so I do kind of like, you know, we've had a maid service for probably 10 years at my house and I don't, I don't really see my wife (laughs) <laughs> really giving that up very easily so yeah. you know and I don't I wouldn't give it up either so I think it becomes a necessity you know and it, it frees you up to do other things and in franchising is very much about letting people specialize kind of in what they do and even like with Fred he specializes in marketing so like instead of you always doing all the marketing you find somebody that's really good at stuff and, exactly. and that kind of I think that's kind of the environment that we're living in especially with technology kind of enables all that. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Fred. Okay. So, you know what he said? <laughs> so, you got the first applause of the day for saying the M word. Yeah. Marketing. Money? No. no, marketing. <laughs> which (laughs) my case means money. So at this point, we're going to take a break to pay for the electricity. So folks, I wanna thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Um, I love this part of the the show because at this point, uh, everybody except for those on the show can actually see my head in an ocean. Um, If you wanna become a community voice and uh, talk about what you love in work-life balance, Uh, Fill out the form on the Link Local Network and become a community voice. We're also proud to uh, have launched on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Pacific. That's 9 p.m. Central. The uh, Life Hurts, God Heals show. Same bat channel, same bat time. And on Sunday is Dan Zuba and the Road to Recovery. And now a word from one of our sponsors.
1: Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you
0: wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At West we help
3: franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing.
1: With daily
2: monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence,
0: Thanks, Michelle. And we're back with Nat Truitt of Hire Yourself and my esteemed colleague, co-host, friend, mentor, guinea pig, Ray Pillar, who the show is actually technically named after. Although we should, I guess, have four more pillars, but that's okay. We have five. That's enough. Ray, (laughs) back at you, my friend. What are the pillars? Uh, The first pillar is choosing the right opportunity. we actually define them on the website. So the first one is choosing the right uh, opportunity. The second one is mentoring, training, and support. The third one is growing um, your business. The fourth one is um, engaging with the community. The fifth one is um, improving the brand. And originally there was a sixth one, but then we had a slight disaster In that, as you can see from the logo in a minute, we had six pillars, but then the graphics designer created this kick-ass design that only had five pillars. So, we got rid of the six pillar and turned it into the goal of uh, becoming a franchisee, which is transferring the opportunity to someone else. Uh, Yeah. That's the strategy. mm Got to have that extra. Exit strategy. So those are the mm-hmm. five pillars, which map map up our wonderful uh, logo, as well as the goal of it, which is That's why great. we're here. So we can broadcast the secrets of success in franchising to those yeah. who want to become successful in franchising. Amazing. We put That's... some thought into it. Um, <laughs> funny. Yeah, thing do you guys is, want
3: to talk about exit strategy at all? Because I've exited four of my companies. Let's talk about it.
0: So. Yeah. Bring it yeah, on. What re- so you exited four um i'm exiting here (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah he's exiting but he's not he doesn't get to retire until i say so i mean you know (laughs) that's what i keep telling him and he still hasn't retired so what was it always the same reason why you exited or were there various reasons if it was various what were they and if it was only one then what was that one
3: You know, that's actually a really good question. I feel like, um, you know, I got started in franchising when I was 29. So I was a little bit younger than what I normally see. And I'm pretty hardwired. I'm pretty entrepreneurial. So after three or four years, a lot of times I get a little bit stir crazy. I'm like, oh, I figured out everything. Let's look for the next adventure. So I would say that that was probably my common denominator more than anything else. And, you know, I think actually if I had to do it over again, I might not have um, sold as quickly just because a lot of times it, you take for granted. It's like your house, like a lot of times you take it for granted when everything's going well. So sometimes you sell a perfectly good business because you want the next venture and uh, you're like, oh, man, you know, I had it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I had money coming in and I was, you know, taking care of my fleet of cars and, you know, it was pretty good. Now I got to figure out what I want to do with myself again. Mm-hmm.
0: So basically Wanderlust is your issue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so.
3: But it's good. You know, I think that's one thing that people don't realize with a franchise is um, there's a pretty decent market for established businesses. So usually what I'm seeing is like three to four times profit. So, you know, if you're making 100000 you could probably sell it for 300000 Or if you're making a million, you can probably sell it for, you know, let's call it $3 million. But I do with all this franchise stuff, there's different levers um, out there. So a lot of it, if you're the chief bottle washer, you know, and you're doing the sales, the marketing and everything else and say you're making, you know, making money. But when a new owner is coming to, or, you know, a buyer's looking at your business, they might, they're going to be like, wow, this is all, this is the Fred show. Like I, like if Fred leaves, all the accounts are going to leave. and so. I think one thing as you're thinking about exit strategy, you have to start thinking about like getting some management into place um, so that you can make the business more attractive or more appealing Mm -hmm. to a potential buyer. Um, I think that a lot of times one thing I've seen guys just go crazy writing stuff off on their taxes every year. Um, I think it's important to kind of clean that up and maybe be a little more middle of the road, not a, as aggressive, you know, if you're writing off, you know, just everything and you're kind of not paying, you know, you're doing that for tax benefits. When you go to sell your business, you know, it's kind of double dipping. If you expect to be able to also get a multiple, but you're like, Oh yeah, you know what? Really? I make this much. Like, I think that when you're thinking about exit strategy, you have to clean up your P and L your balance sheet, have to get some management in place, get systems in place, get marketing in place, like all your ducks in a row. Um, and then there's a very good market for retail. I know Molly made, I think has been very successful helping their owners over the years. I've, I'm sure you've seen that. Fred. Yeah. Uh, one of the
1: things that Alex suggested, uh, the new owner of any franchise is go ahead and uh, attend the uh, conferences. Yeah. Know, yeah. Because you learn so much. I actually learn more from other owners than I do from the franchise. Not that they're not helping us, but uh, they've got to gear their information towards the beginning owner a lot right. of times. And, you know, so uh, when, I go, when I go through these things, I, I, I talk to owners who've been in business this long or are making uh, you know, the same level of money that I am. So you get to really learn a lot. And yeah. one of the things that uh, I always try to tell people, especially uh, new people, is try to begin with the end in mind. And the end of mine is your strategy, the exit strategy. Yep. So you, you really got to start thinking about management. You uh, know, who's going to take over those things that you are doing? And probably for me, the easiest way to think of that was, what do I like to do? I give it to, you know, someone a manager to to accomplish. Right. And I just end up doing the things I like to
3: do. Yeah. No. That's. I think that's exactly what I've seen. And, you know, I work with a lot of franchises, so we have a lot of retails all the time. And ironically, it seems like the bigger businesses that are more profitable can actually get a, a better multiple because they have management in place. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like buyers' mentality, usually they're like, I want to buy cash flow because they're trying to manage their risk. Um, so they'd rather pay a little bit more for the cash flow. So I think that's, you know, I think even like you were saying about when the recession a little bit, like I think the other thing, you know, when you're thinking about the end in mind, you know, you want to have good steady growth. Um, you want to have good marketing and, you know, people like to buy something that's kind of steadily going up. Right. You know, if all of a sudden you had this huge decline, you know, that kind of always going to raise a lot of question marks in people's brain. Um, But I think the, um, when I, I probably hope, I've helped quite a few people by established franchises over the years. And I always encourage them, like what you're saying, Ray, is to kind of follow the the process, which is have those phone calls with the franchise development team, actually go to Discovery Day and just experience everything. Um, And then it's interesting, the peer group that you actually kind of are able to plug into because for me, with my senior care franchise, I made some of my lifelong friends there. Mm-hmm. And actually, everything I've done entrepreneurial since then, actually, was because of just sitting at those round tables or at dinner, and we're kind of brainstorming, hey, what are you doing? You know, oh, you're doing emergency medical alarms. I'm going to do that, too. You know, and then you just got sure. to the right system.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. So good yeah, stuff.
1: Um, We have an organization in the, the uh, Chicagoland area called the Windy uh, yeah, Windy City uh cooperative, and uh, it it encompasses, I think, I've forgotten now how many franchises, I think it's 13 or 14 franchises in the Chicagoland area, and sure, we, we, we have a uh, cooperative for advertising purposes, but we also get together on occasions, you know, for meetings, and then we also get together casually, uh, Yeah, and uh, we, we talk, of course, we talk about our businesses, and we learn a lot from each other even though we're in the same area and a lot of us have been in business, you know, for quite some time. So uh, it's a fantastic, and there aren't too many uh, businesses that, you know, especially a business that's not a franchise that you can do that way. You know, don't Have that type of, uh, if something's going wrong, well, how did you handle that? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that's one of the great things about a franchise is that you will have other franchise owners that you can depend on to, to give you a hand if you need something. Uh, a small example of that is I use a particular vacuum cleaner, and I know that there's another franchise that uses that same vacuum cleaner. We ran out of bags accidentally. <laughs> and, you know, you got to have a fresh bag. Uh, I just gave this person a call and uh, ran up there and got a, you know, a box of bags, and uh, we, we, were, we were good. And That's great. Yeah, yeah, and that's the kind of cooperation that you you really rely on, you know, our need, I should say, a- actually, in a business.
3: Yeah, I think the that saying you're like you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself, is very true. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You have the um, parent company that's wanting to help you be successful, and then you have your local owners, and then even uh, you know all throughout the country, a lot of times you'll connect with people that you know just at the conference and all that. Um, that will help you out too. There's, yeah, there's not a lot of new questions, right? There's, (laughs) you can, anything, anything you're struggling with someone else probably has already figured it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, people do approach me at at, at these uh, conventions and ask, well, you know, what did you do about this? You know, being in business for 16 years, you've come across just about everything that can happen to you. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I do get asked a lot, a lot of questions, uh,
0: Everybody his, knows Ray's name. a good thing. What were you saying, Fred? I said, everybody knows Ray's name. I talked to a Molly <laughs> Maid owner. I said, you know Ray? Oh, I know Ray. He doesn't talk to me. He, does, he talks to you. I said, of course he talks <laughs> to me. But then, you know. And then everyone asked me, how's Ray doing? What's he doing these days? To so the point where it's like, am I his keeper? But that's we won't go there. Um <laughs> I, I will say that the Molly Maid owners are definitely family-like, and they've adopted me as Kentucky's step-cousin, and there are times <laughs> I find it very annoying. The crazy marketing guy. Exactly, but I remember me. So, on franchising, where do you see the biggest growth? What geographic areas is my first question. Um, do you see the biggest growth in franchi- franchises purchased?
3: Um, yeah, geography, I, you know, we're, I'm in Chicago, raised in Chicago, you're, you're not in Chicago anymore, <laughs> but the, um, I was talking to the U-Haul guy, and he was actually saying right now, like, you can get the, all, like, all the U-Hauls are not, in, you know, they're everywhere but Chicago, because everybody's leaving, so I'm seeing a ton, like, Nashville, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, Texas, for sure, um, Phoenix. So it does seem like kind of some of those, you know, I think a lot of it, for better or for worse, you know, it's politics, um, it's taxes. A lot of times, you know, there's some of these other states are more friendly, um, you know, both with politics and taxes. So people are kind of like heading out and the weather, you know, the weather, you can't argue with nicer weather. I was talking to somebody in Nashville actually yesterday, and I'm like, we were talking about a painting franchise, and I'm like, yeah, you probably want, to get started pretty soon so you could catch, you know, the, that nice summer season and all that. He's like, Uh we paint year round <laughs> down here, not an issue. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, Although I uh, I think the weather has been kinda of cold throughout the the rest of the country, except now maybe southern Florida. It's been yeah. in the thirties and forties the rest of the country.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's been a it's been such a weird, weird uh Yeah, period. it has. Year. We already did pillars of weather. That was in the beginning of the show. We have to say the same okay. of franchises. So my, <laughs> my next question then is what do you see the top three industries that are hottest for franchises?
3: I, so I personally, because of my senior care background, I always like what I call non-sexy um, businesses. So like um, senior care, I think has, we call it the silver tsunami. So there's just, <laughs> it's just getting ready to hit. There's, um, I don't even I don't there's millions of, of uh, baby boomers that are gonna need caregivers. So that's obviously hot. Um I think anything to do with I actually, you know, residential cleaning, paint, like all those home services I think are good, steady eddy uh long term businesses. We've seen a ton. I think there's like the orange theory effect. So Orange Theory has been immensely successful. And I think that that's drawn just so much interest into boutique fitness. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys are, are doing really well. So that when you say what's hot, you know, fitness for sure is hot. Anything to do with wellness, I think is hot. Um, massage, you know, even though that's been around, that those are still uh, growing quite a bit, like the massage envy and being all those. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I think they're, we're starting to see some inno- innovative type franchises where maybe they're using technology or or different um, uh, intellectual, you know, like IP or different things to do things that we weren't able to do before. So whether it's kind of in more green technology, um, I think there's quite a bit of activity, you know, we're going to start seeing in, uh, you know, we've seen a bunch in solar, but that's a huge, massive thing. We're getting ready to see a whole bunch more in green um, tech, I think.
0: Okay. So one more, Ray, and then you can ask the next one. The my, my last question on the top three is what are the three weirdest franchises you've seen lately? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, okay, so this is kind of
3: awkward because we're a bunch of guys, but uh, I was just at a conference and there was one called uh, Lunchbox Wax. So the idea is that Ladies go over their lunch hour and get their lunchbox waxed. So, <laughs> anyways, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that actually
0: almost counts for all three, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all like watching here. Um, we got a male one that we can just balance it off, so our female listeners and viewers don't say get yeah. angry at us.
3: Well, um, there's fun, there's a lot of activity in axe throwing, so that's a pretty good uh, that's yeah. a good one, yeah. year, guys. I've heard um, of the axe throwing ones, yeah. And um, let's see, um, I think there was one. I've seen one that's like um, like a uh, commercial, like dumpsters that actually has a porta pot welded to it. So it's like a two for one. Their value proposition is like, hey, the contractor just calls one phone number, they get a dumpster <laughs> and a porta pot. <laughs> That's unusual. Could yep. you clean those, Ray?
0: <laughs>
1: no, that's uh, not, not us. <laughs> we don't do
0: dumpsters. <laughs> Cleaning porta potties. I mean, residential yeah. porta potties. Go ahead, take us, take us along, Ray. Well, you, you mentioned something about
1: growth a little bit. I, I was wondering what would you consider good
3: growth for a franchise. Oh, that's a it's really Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think for just my own businesses, you know, I mean, early on, it's kind of fun to talk about, oh, we grew by a thousand percent or we're growing by 10 percent a month or whatever. But I think once you get past that three to five years, I think like, you know, 10, 15, 20 percent growth um, per year, I think is pretty good. I like to I like to show like when you're talking about exit strategy, I like to show quarterly growth. Um, mm-hmm. so I like the revenues to be going up each quarter. I think that tells a better story than, you know, if you have a, anytime you have a crater, you're going to have to kind of like, you have to start explaining stuff or else you have to wait for enough time to go by that the crater kind of goes off the back end of the PF, you know, it's mm-hmm. four years, four years or th- three or four years off the p Um, but you know, from my perspective, I think a nice 15, 20% growth over Uh, Year on year is pretty good.
0: So shall we take another commercial break? Let's do it. All right. Again, want to thank Link Little Network for broadcasting our show. Uh, For those of you hanging out, listening on the website, and I can see you there, um, go ahead and hit the chat button, send your questions in, or you can dial in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And no weird, well, no weirder questions than I would ask, which leaves you a whole lot of le- or legroom, headroom, whatever. And now word from Nick. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a
3: group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select, and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of The Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest-reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com,
0: or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick. Here's my copy. Also, what Nick didn't mention is that if you fill out the form on the Pillars of Franchising website, you not only can get a copy of the Franchise MBA, but you can even get your own virtual reality gear. Pretty cool. So, Ray, we're back. Take your next question, my friend. Sure.
1: Well, we talked a little bit about unusual franchises. Have you had any unusual clients that uh, maybe some guy wants to open up a lash lounge or
3: something, you know, uh, anything like that? Um, I haven't, I don't, most of my guys seem like they're pretty mainstream, you know, I work with a lot of um, men, but I also work with a lot of couples, um, husband and wife teams, and you know, a lot of times they're both working and they're just trying to figure out, you know, and it's, inter- you know, it's always interesting to see kind of, I was just talking to a guy in, um, Naperville and they ended up buying a senior care. It was a resale in, uh, Portland park and he ended up like his wife ended up, he's like, my wife really likes this. So she's going to do that. you mm-hmm. so now he's coming back to me. Cause now he wants the business for himself. Cause his wife kind of like took oh, okay. over that one. Um, so, I mean, I see, I see all kinds of scenarios, um, I've seen a lot of activity lately in private equity, you know, looking to buy, you know, $10 million type, you know, trying to package stuff up by region and by, you know, big amounts of stuff. Um, so that's always kind of interesting. Um, but I think in general, I think people are pretty normal and, you know, have a lot of the similar kind of wants and desires.
0: Normal people.
3: <laughs> hey, Fred, Fred,
1: you're on the left coast. Nobody's
0: normal out there. It's only here in the Midwest.
3: Yeah, it's probably a little easier in the Midwest sometimes.
0: I'm saying nothing. I don't want people with tar and feather and pitchforks and torches coming up to my door, please. Oh, question. Question from the audience. Give me a second, folks. We have a question here. So, we're going to go in. Got to hit the little thingy. Nope, that's the wrong one. And uh So, the question is if we can get it. Have you seen any cannabis franchise activity lately?
3: Um that is a great question. Um I it has not hit my radar Um, but to be honest I'd have to imagine or guess that there's a lot of activity Um, you know it's kind of like with franchising you'll notice everything is always in packs. so whether it's uh, Five Guys Burgers and all of a sudden there's tons of burgers or Orange Theory and then there's tons of fitness so I would expect that to be coming soon yeah. Just so
1: our audience knows that in the area that Nat and I are in in Illinois has just legalized uh, recreational marijuana. So I, I know that there have been lines that are wrapped around corners of some of the dispensaries. <laughs> right. But, uh, um, I don't know. I, th- I think that Fred, didn't we interview a few people who were selling these franchises?
0: Uh, we and interviewed. What was their there?
1: opinion of, uh, of that?
0: Well, there's, there was Ron Silberstein of Bud's Place, and they've started selling uh, cannabis consumption lounges, franchises. Uh, Which is
1: different. The lounge is different from actually selling the, the product. It,
0: right. They don't sell the product. It's it's adult use. Um, I You can go there. I kind of liken it to – Chuck E. Cheese's with the <laughs> cannabis instead of pizza. Although I, they probably have pizza. But again, they don't sell the cannabis, but you can meet your friends there. and of um, like a coffee lounge. Yeah. Uh, we also yeah. had on, I think it was One Cannabis, which is in process of selling uh, cannabis franchises to purchase it. And I I think they were were working on eight different states at the time. Um, so we have had, it has been a um, ongoing topic, uh, especially the last six, eight months is as more yeah. states go legal. Um, it, it has been an ongoing topic. So thanks uh, our to our friend on <laughs> the Delivers of franchising website. If you got another comment, please. Uh, we always love comments. Um, Go ahead, Ray. Back at you. Wow. Uh, so I'm trying. To, I'm trying to think of a good question for you, Matt. Um, so does that mean well, it's time for the down the rabbit hole question? I, no, not not the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks, if you fill out the form on the Pillars of Franchising site, you can fill out your down the rabbit hole question that you want to have asked. God, I love using that little graphic there.
2: Um,
0: So, hmm, do we want to go to Area 51, Ray, or Zombie Apocalypse?
1: I think in uh, in our neck of the woods in uh, northern Illinois, the Zombie Apocalypse is more likely than Area
0: 51. Okay. (laughs) So, so, Ned, what franchise or do you believe Will be most helpful in stopping the zombie apocalypse and saving mankind.
3: Um, you know, I've been working with a or called Monster Tree, so those guys are pretty strong and they have chainsaws. So mm. I, and they have a lot They have big trucks. So I feel like they could uh, they could fight off the zombies and then stack them up in the trucks and and load them out. There
0: Ooh. you go. I'm <laughs> down with that answer, right? That's one of the better zombie <laughs> apocalypse answers of <laughs> next question my friend
1: can can you characterize the typical person that is looking
3: for a franchise um you know i think like um just my observations over the years i would say a lot of times it's like a 54 year old um corporate executive who's been successful um, I feel like a lot of times their kids are either in college or out of college. So what I think that means is that they kind of have their finances figured out, because um, mm-hmm. you know, they have their budget. Um, they probably have, you know, pretty good amount of retirement in place. So they kind of have their retirement figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somebody that's been successful. I would say also like, um, like business development or sales background like you're you're never gonna go wrong as a franchise owner being strong on sales and business development, team building and all that. But I think all those you know are natural um, attributes of you know people looking to buy businesses, and a lot of times it's people that want um leave a legacy for their family um they want to create jobs, build a team um you know, be involved in the community. Those are, you know, kind of the things that I I see a lot of. Um, my spreadsheet guys, I finally, you know, refer to them as spreadsheet guys. So it's just like, you know, they're just about, you know, how much can I make? I don't see them pulling the trigger on, on a business too often. I think they get too much um, fear and anxiety. You're never going to have all the answers as a business owner. So you're always going to, at some point, have to take this leap of faith. And I'm sure you can remember back when you're even as impressed as you were with Molly Maid, and they're very well established. It's like, still so when you go to sign, you know, that a franchise agreement, it's like signing your first mortgage. You're just kind of sweating. Bullets. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, that's, uh, that's very true. Uh, any of my uh, blood relatives that I mentioned that when I was doing, they basically said, are you not yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and uh, yeah, I probably am. <laughs> I think you have to be a little bit uh, to uh, you know take that right bite off that kind of uh, um, experience it, it, and it you're right, there's a lot of things it, it i I think as far as the the dollar signs go, people kind of expect that to happen, right and that's gonna be based on your 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 own. Um, uh, way of doing it. In other words, it's it's going to be on you whether you're successful financially or not. And I, I I think a lot of people do look beyond that and and say, well, how am I going to be helping my community? And am I going to be providing jobs for people? And i may be able to give back to the community in some way, you know. And for me, there was a long list of uh, uh, items that I had on my on my sheet basically that said yes or no on, you know, the check marks. And uh, fortunately the, you know, uh, the Molly made was the one that came out way on top uh, by yeah. a long, long uh, uh, by long way on, uh, on the positive remarks.
3: Yeah. All right. Yeah. With franch franchising, you know, there is a lot of due diligence and homework that you can do. Cause there's a lot of tools available. Sorry, Fred, go ahead. No, I was, uh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, Finish it off. I was
3: gonna. One of the things I really like about franchising is it, it's regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. So every franchise every year files their FDD, which is their franchise disclosure document, and it's about 200 pages long. Got in there, um, you know, all their their uh, startup costs. It's got their earnings claims, and then it has an addendum that has a list of every franchise owner. So we kind of coach people how to leverage or utilize that. FDD, the disclosure document, to be able to really roll up their sleeves and do their homework so they can kind of understand the good, the bad, and the ugly, what I call it. All
0: right. All right. So you've you've brought up the topic of the greatest cure known to mankind for (laughs) insomnia. the FDD. Yes. So what are the first three items you recommend somebody read? I, I know they're supposed to read all of them, and I've talked to enough franchisees, got several of them as clients. Who said? Yeah, I didn't read read the FDD. But what are the top three items you would tell somebody to read first to determine if they feel it's a good franchise?
3: Um, well, there you know the there is in there um, if there's ever been any lawsuits or legal action against a franchise. So I think that that's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, you know that's I think what the FTC is trying to do is just try to have some level of transparency with what's going on with these franchises. I mean, there's also like a um, and a L or audited financials for the franchise or so you can always look at that and kind of see like, Hey, do these guys have money in the bank or are they kind of doing this on a shoestring? Um, but it's when you're, most guys are kind of thinking about like, can I afford this? How much money can I make? So that's kind of that item seven because they have, that's the uh, startup cost. There's usually 20 or 30 line items. They typically have an average or um, a low, a high, and an average. So whether that's for rent or whether that's for utilities or uh, cars, uh, marketing um, is definitely going to be in their grand, grand opening marketing, especially. Um, so then there's also the item 19, uh, which is their earnings claim. So franchising, you know, when you think about, franchising, you know, there's like the earnings claim, a lot of times they'll have, um, there's a lot of data. So they can, and, and franchises are paying royalties off their gross revenue. Mm -hmm. So the franchisors know, you know, they have pretty good, pretty good, um, data on the financials. So typically the item 19 will have like top line revenue. Sometimes they sort it out to like, uh, top third, middle third, bottom third. Um, So you start to be able to get some idea of the numbers.
0: So does that help answer your question, Fred? That takes us into what will be my last question, but Ray gets his last question, but I'll do my last question first. My goal in life um, in having a business is to eventually turn it over to to my grandkids. Um, So my question is, is for my grandson, Max, who's now about six Six months old. What advice would you give him in life to being successful? Ooh, I think um,
3: I want. What I want to say is try a lot of things. So I think it's important to kind of be well-rounded. Uh, my boys are 12 and 15, so kind of I go through this. A lot of times they want to start specializing, you know, in baseball or specializing this and that. Um, I think it's super important to uh, you know literally try a lot of things um, hang out with your buddies, do good, do good at, do good, I'm saying do good, (laughs) do well at school, (laughs) um, play some sports. Um, and you know, this, our life is, you know, it's a, you know, people and relationships. So I think, you know, Fred, you're very much a people person. So I'm guessing that your grandkids will be too. Um, but just spend time with people, get to know them and, um, you know, be, be real. That's my, I don't know. How's that?
0: <laughs> I'm down with it. Okay. Yeah. Your last are. question.
1: Yep. All right. So we've talked a lot about people thinking about getting into franchise, getting a franchise. How is the best way they can get a hold of you so you can advise them on that?
3: Yeah, we have the um, Hire Yourself website, so it's literally just the uh, Hire Yourself dot com. Um, we also have the Hire Yourself podcast, um, and you know we're just try to be educational. That's kind of always our approach: is make it educational for people. We know that everybody's going to buy a franchise, but if we can kind of help somebody out a little bit, point them in the right direction, and then also it's you'd be amazed at how many people it's just not quite the right timing right time, they would come back to us three, four, or five years down the road, which is totally fine too. So the um, hire yourself is probably, .com is uh, the easiest way to reach us.
0: And that sure. it, folks is another episode of Pillars of Franchising. want to thank Nat to of Hire Yourself, which you can find at hireyourself.com for coming on the show, putting up with us, answering questions, and keeping Ray awake for another week. We'll be back. <laughs> Thanks for having
3: the- me guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Great having you. Thank We'll
0: be back next week with another episode of Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success. And thanks to the Markels Audio Lab for. Pillars. 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 Pillars of franchising. Pillars,
2: Pillars. Pillars.